Hey everyone, Tom here, back with yet another episode. Hey everyone, Tom here, back with yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new to the show, we are going through every single song in the damn metal alphabet. Uh, today, you join us on J. We are nearing the midpoint, but still skirting that, not quite there. And today's a bit of a special episode, not necessarily because of the song. The song is off Beyond Magnetic, it's just a bullet away. But because of the guest, he's been on the show before. Of course you know who this guy is. It's a legend right here. Uh, a rock star, a fellow podcast a deep dude he doesn't really like the solo to tornado of souls but we, we, we've got to move past that clint how's it going hey man uh it's going good always glad to be here with you on alpha metallica the first and to be fair to be yeah. fair I, I liked the solo i liked it you you dismissively it all, it called all... it very mound steamy and i was like clint you're not listening it's almost too good you know what i mean like it's there's nothing that for me to grab onto in that it's like hmm, all right okay it's quite bluesy, though. It's quite majestic. It's not a shreddy. I mean, it has a kind of shreddy climax, but... Yeah, I mean, it's just really clean and thoughtful. It's kind of, you know, the opposite of what Kirk is these days. And and I, I'm i not just trying to be a fanboy for Metallica. I mean, I, they're impressive, dude. And I, I think Dave Ellison's actually a really cool dude. And Yeah. I, I got to listen to the whole thing. I was surprised at how bad it sounded. It doesn't sound... For someone who online was telling me that uh, Rust in Peace is better than the Black Album, <laughs> I was really surprised that it. it's kind of a lo-fi garagey sounding record yeah it's kind of brash fresh i know what you're saying it's got a brightness to it. i actually think euthanasia is a better sounding record um which was two records later a lot of people talk about countdown to extinction which i think sounds quite plasticky i really don't mm. like the the, the the sound of that record but um you know one of the things i like to do is research obviously and i spend a little time on your website this morning oh boy. uh digging through your blog uh l- lots of horror stuff on there um lots of interesting oscar picks but one of the things that caught my eye most notably you bought your first ipod at age 20 mm-hmm. and do you remember the first thing you listened to on that ipod yeah <laughs> well is this on my bl- on my website it is yeah yeah the first thing i got loaded up was avril is it avril levine it's avril levine's debut let go yeah i uh just because it's the A's, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I remember I'd gotten my first iPod. I bought it off eBay mm-hmm. for 160 bucks. It's, I mean, they it's like a fucking paperweight now. But yeah. because of Avril Lavigne obviously being the A, I was loading it up. And you got to understand, dude, for the first time, having my entire music collection in my pocket, yeah, it was so exciting. Because, you know, I'm, I'm an audiophile like many of your listeners and you are, lugging around goddamn hundreds of CDs all the time. And... uh I couldn't wait for the whole catalog to load. So I got like through the A's, got in my car on my way to wherever I was going. And hell yeah, I blasted Let Go. Probably yeah. uh, probably complicated or uh, the big ballad, uh, I'm With You. I'm With You is fine. I mean, I, I genuinely think Complicated's one of the best pop songs of the last 20 years. I think it's a, a perfectly written number. I mean, I do too. And, and she, you know, she's a good songwriter. She's written songs for Kelly Clarkson. She wrote Behind These Blue Hazel Eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, and even she, when she, she was married, fuel. <laughs> I actually liked her it's version okay. of fuel. It's okay. I I always like James's comments where he can't quite deal with a feminine voice on his. He's like weirded out by it. Yeah. What is he? He's like, oh, for, it's interesting hearing a girl sing yeah, it. That was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's different. Okay. It's Enter Sandman. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, so the deal was, I, I'm a big Alanis Morissette fan. She's a mm. real deep, deep uh, artist. And my sister, when we were in high school, my sister, I was taking her to school. And uh, she's a few years younger than me, so I would drive her to school. Of course, older brother, like, oh yeah, you know, you don't want your little sister around, blah, blah, blah. And she was listening to that Avril record, and I kind of thought it was bullshit at first. And I was like, look, if you want to hear, like, an angry chick, 
let's listen to some dark Alanis stuff. And but just it was kind of just my sister playing in the car. I was like, you know what, this is pretty good. I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, the the album cover's so like cliche default. Like her standing yeah. there as the world spills by and it's it's scrawled on. But but yeah, I mean, I it, for me, I guess it was less Avril. It was more just me thinking about the iPod. Like it's a very postmodern thing to say. I'm 26, right. but I'm very nostalgic to my first iPod. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of my. I don't know, my Nickelodeon, my Ed Sullivan show, you know, that, that click wheel um, where you had to load everything on and it was black and white. Like, I actually had the U2 iPod. Do you remember that? Wow, I do. I, yeah. Well, that was back when the public still liked U2 because, you know, they did that commercial and everyone just thought it was great. It was like, it was because it was tied in with Vertigo, right? Uh, yeah, because it was, it was colored after the How to Dismantle Atomic Bomb. Yeah. Right. And because then when they tried to do another thing with Apple where they just everyone got their new record. Yeah. That was really a pre- quite a serious backlash when that happened. Oh, massively. Yeah, yeah, re- really. I mean, you two are okay. I know you're quite a big U2 fan, right? Pretty big, yeah, pretty big uh-huh. fan. I I I don't I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to go on my U2 rant. I mean, shout out uh, Dave Hewson, right? I think that's the Edge's name. Uh Paul Hewson is Paul Hewson. Oh, Paul, yeah. Uh, Dave The Edge's name is Dave uh fuck. Is it Dave Evans? Dave Evans, that is it. Yeah, yeah, because because yeah. weirdly on the back of the U2 iPod, it had all their signatures on. Um, Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen. Larry Mullen Jr. I mean, they're one of the worst rhythm sections in history, right? <laughs> they're so bland. Oh, man. I mean, shit, it's not Motown. I mean, no. you know, it's not, it's not fame. But I think they're great. I mean, go, if you go listen to a song like Please from Pop, it, the, okay. the bass drum groove is sick. I mean... The, the Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Jr. famously in the mid '90s went and got lessons. They actually got lessons oh, on their man. instruments after being one of the biggest bands in the world for like 15 years. And I will, it does improve, you know, in the '90s. They got kind of Euro, very European underground dance shit going on mm. in the mid '90s. There, a lot of classic bands like Metallica kind of had a lot of experimental stuff going on in the '90s. Madonna did, Michael Jackson kind of did. Yeah, the '90s were an interesting time for that. I don't know why. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously, you need no introductions, I say. You are from Metal Up, your podcast, who, I, I, I don't know, Alf Metallica in comparison. I'm very much the Lloyd Grant of this sort of story <laughs> here. Um, and, you know, it's like Beatlemania over there. Like, you've shown me before, you guys get, like, 50 emails a week or something? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what's kind of circling around. We, we have more interaction when the boys are touring, which they just kicked back up uh, mm-hmm. this week. Oh, which I guess this is not coming out for a few weeks. But um, I, I, yeah, we've always encouraged it. And uh, that's a big part of what the heartbeat of the show. It's it's it can be pretty overwhelming. I remember when you asked me because we say it like we get a lot of emails. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one uh, day you, you, you have to pay to get an email read out. I know you don't mean it in that sense, but you do like. Well, and even then we because we get we, we only read five a show, but yeah. we do personally. And it's really honestly more me than Ethan, but. We do respond personally to each email, and I know that for my favorite podcasts, being able to interact with the people who make it is super fun. You know, like mm-hmm. I write into some of these people occasionally, or I participate, or I'm a patron for some myself personally. So, you know, I get it. It's fun. You know, and, and you should... and I are you and I are friends, so I don't have to write into you. I can just text you. No, yeah, of course, of course. And I should say as well, Ethan, the co-host, it's his birthday today, right? He's forty. Today is his fortieth birthday. Wow. That's right. Wow. I mean, yeah, yeah. Happy, happy birthday. I need to get Ethan back on the show. I, I think everyone can go. I love Ethan. Like, I really love his personality. He's such a, just a warm, knowledgeable dude. Like, both no, of you are great. Yeah. He's, he's definitely the, uh, the, the sugar. I'm the salty. 
He's the sweetheart. He's a sweetie. He really is a, a really sweet dude. Yeah, you have you have both mellowed out, not not with each other, but list, listening back. So I listened to the Beyond Magnetic episode this morning on my way to work, and I listened to a few of the other ones. Like early on, it's almost like you can't deal with each other not liking the other song, whereas I think you're much more comfortable now as it goes on. If we disagree, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I I don't have the energy. <laughs> I don't have the energy I once did, even though that was probably only like eight months ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, if you don't like it, that's fine. No so, big deal. Uh, you know, today we are speaking about uh, just a bullet away off beyond magnetic. So, were you were you on the ride at this point? You got back on around magnetic, right? I was, yeah. I I got death magnetic and I loved it, and uh, sort of famously woke my wife up shouting, "They're back!" <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, but I but I wasn't aware of the EP. I wasn't quite that. You know, I mean. God, how old was I then? Well, it was just 10 years ago. So I was 25. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was touring a lot. And I was listening to it. Man, I was going through a big Ryan Adams thing at that mm. time in my life. And uh, he was just put, he was putting out like uh, Easy Tiger and Cardinology. Are you a big Ryan Adams guy or into yeah, Ryan Adams at all? Yeah, the only one I know is the one with Firecracker on it and Stars Go Blue. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's that's called Gold. Yeah. Gold. Is that kind of his big one? That's kind of his, his popular That was his one, most right? commercial one, yeah. yeah. But he got in, this, in the mid-aughts, he started doing some real kind of far out Grateful Dead, Neil Young type stuff. And, mm. You know, Metallica didn't fit much into that, but I, I did uh, have and love Death Magnetic. So for me to do the podcast to be to get uh, Beyond Magnetic was like getting another Metallica record. I was pretty stoked. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm not too hot on Beyond Magnetic. I've got to be honest. Um, we've covered yeah. two songs already, and I don't know. Both of them just haven't stuck in my mind. I I, I don't know. It's just sometimes a record you can listen to it and it really just won't let you go. The Ted Duck. Like I've listened to this band called Wipers. Have you ever heard of Wipers? I haven't. Yeah, they're like they're from the eighties. They're a massive influence on the grunge movement. Um, they've got an album called Is This Real? That's their debut. I discovered them. I watched Montage of Heck recently. Yep. Um, the Cobain documentary, which is which is fucking great, and sort of yep. went into a bit of a Cobain hole. And I've never been a giant Nirvana guy. I don't dislike him. I'm just not really a huge fan. But anyway, Kurt Cobain famously has that list of like his top fifty favorite albums, and he lists right. the first three Wipers records. They're the most mentioned band on there, and they're fucking great. There's a song of theirs called Mystery, which is like two minutes long, which is just just crazy. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make in a roundabout way, not just showing off that I know it's obscure band, is that. It was quite impactful to me, and even just a bullet away, it, the, the songs feel a little Frankenstein-y. They feel a little stapled together, a lot of the parts. Like, I think it's explicitly, the song ends four minutes in, you think it's gone, there's an aperture, then we have mm-hmm. a sort of faux master idea, and then it comes back in, and none of it feels that legitimate, I suppose. Yeah, there's kind of too long of a pause, I feel like, yeah. between those two sections, where it is a little jarring, and and, you know, James has said they're not throw throwaways, they're not leftovers. For whatever reason, they didn't make the record. I totally agree with you. I haven't listened to Just a Bullet Away since we did our Beyond Magnetic episode. Yeah. Like, if it comes up on Shuffle, I, I'm cool. And I do like Helen. I know you, I've heard your Helen Back episode. And mm-hmm. Helen Back's my favorite off this record. And it's it's the one they played live. They played it like a handful of times, 15, 16 times. Yeah. But I, I get it. It doesn't really work. I will say I did watch the uh, the San Francisco performance of this for the 30th anniversary. Mm. It's pretty powerful live. I mm. mean, the the riffs are pretty badass. Yeah, you did. You said that on the episode that I listened to today. Actually, that was the the 30th anniversary shows, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember listening to your guys' episode of that early on, 
and I oh, think man. that's kind of when I became like a really big metal at your podcast fan I think I'd heard a few and I, you, you know when you're just first getting into podcasts and you just it's kind of in the background or whatever and then I was like oh this is fucking good and just I really appreciated the effort you guys went to you know what's funny that you say that is uh there's a dude on the forums who really really does not like me and uh <laughs> he's real active on the forums and uh that was the one episode where he was like finally I'm gonna give it a shot and he fucking hated it dude <laughs> He wrote this long thing about everything we got wrong and oh. all this shit. And I wrote back a really long thing back. This is my first like lesson in this. And I mm. wrote a long, nice thing back. I took a little jabs because he was jabby at me. But mm. it was mostly like, hey, man, I appreciate this. Every bit of criticism makes the show better. And, and then he wrote like another full-on snarky thing back. And I thought, man, fuck this. I can't do it. I don't have the time for this. Tom? Yeah, to talk to this guy. But anyway, he he thought that episode was like one of the worst things he'd ever heard. I really, well, I, that happens. I mean, I've had a few encounters with people, some truths like that, but I have a much smaller you know base to draw on. You must have some emails. They must come quite frequently. People pissed off for you. They must be quite exhausting. Oh, I got I got a guy that every YouTube video I put up, he calls me a homo. Right. <laughs> I, just, I just have to delete it and report him. And uh, we've we've shared some private messages back and forth too. Yeah. I don't ever like say his name or anything because I think he's a f- a fucking scumbag and I don't want to give him any attention. But yeah, and he trolls. You know, we have some trolls. Yeah. And I don't do any of our Facebook. Ethan's over there, so I, God knows what's over there. I, I think it's mostly positive. It's it's hard to get. Uh, it's easy to get wrapped up in that shit. It's dude. It's mostly positive. People mm-hmm. are pretty grateful that got folks like you and i are out here talking about their favorite band you know? yeah yeah definitely and in, in these meetups that you do and you constantly have people uh you know the, the fans coming in on the episodes and stuff like that so it's so it is a minor thing anyway there's the, the song itself so we have the counting uh you know of leper and the ilk the the clatter and this is mm-hmm. this is kind of my issue with the album really we get like 40 seconds of not much really happening just the repetitive notes. it's kind of like the dyer's eve beginning and it's just I don't know, they just needed a bit of an editor, really. I think two minutes could have been chopped off every Beyond Magnetic track. Yeah, I mean, the the song is like over seven minutes long. Yeah. Which, I've heard you talk about that with Death Magnetic Tunes. doesn't bother me as much there. I mean, and there, it's, there's a reason they made the record. They're better songs. But yeah, yeah this, ta- this tune starts with this, that kind of like push-pull thing that's very Death Magnetic-y. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It like starts and stops. I think the guitars sound good. Mm. I love that second riff that's like just the straight gallop. It's yes. so fast and tight. And then it goes into this third riff that to me sounds kind of like Pantera-ish, but then they kind of repeat that whole cycle and they could have just gone right into verse one. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm I agree. with you. I agree. And I, I think the chug is nice. And I mean, no one can finesse an open E like Hetfield can. I know. And he's yeah. just, just, just a master at this, really. And it's kind of gnarly and it's moving forward and it's, you know, anchored around. The, the way he sings the shine of, shine of a Midnight Revolver, and you pointed out in the episode that he sounds a bit like Revival that he's saying, and it is a bit mealy-mouthed here. We've not really heard anything like this in Metallica where this mantra gets repeated throughout. It's pretty cool. Like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's another example of their pop sensibility. I know that probably makes some listeners cringe. James Hetfield might even cringe at hearing that, but no, it's true. N- nevertheless, I mean, for him to repeat that, it's such a great hook, and he does it three times. He does it the at the end of each little verse, and then he does that sort of uh, the forty-five line. It's mm-hmm. kind of weird. He kind of doesn't land it, but it's such a cool melody. Like it needed a little bit of reverb, maybe a little tucking, but then he ends the phrase with that the shine of a midnight revival i almost said revival <laughs> revolver again and he's just nailing that hook home it's really cool from a songwriting standpoint 
it's pretty impressive. And you're right, he doesn't really do stuff like that very much. Does it work for you, James, singing to the listener, suck it till it's gone dry? It reminds me of the Tool song Ticks and Leeches, and therefore I like it. Okay. So, yeah, I know that people don't like that, but... I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't like it in the way a lot of metallic fans wouldn't like it. It's, oh, it's homo or some, you know, that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, and I, I think, it, I think it's fine. Homo, is that, the, is that the Mel of your podcast troll guy? Yeah, <laughs> hello. Good God, he's already here. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't bother me too much. And I like them inhabiting this world and the idea of suicide plays heavy in this music. And of course, plays heavy in Metallica throughout. Um, it's not his crowning lyrical mode here, but... Yeah, it, it, it's it's fine for me. Twisting in apocalypse, death upon the fingertips. I like frigid metal touches lips. That's quite an you know intimate mode. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, you know, for for the project to be called, you know, because he was writing this for the record, so the project title was Death Magnetic, which I think is badass. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he's suicidal, or I, you know, I know that Rebel of Babylon, he talked about maybe being about Lane Staley, and yeah. um, but I like the from a songwriting perspective, I like that he had a goal. And so the goal is to write songs about death and people who uh, magnetize death, which would obviously include someone who's putting a gun in their mouth. And I, th- I think it's, I think he, he did a good job. He did a good service to the theme of the, of the song and the record, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like the way he describes death as eternal borderline. Right. It's cool. Never ending horizon. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, you know, now he sees himself in the shine and the midnight revolver. And when we get to the break, which I completely agree. The gap is just like a second too long. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a little long. It's a little long. It's a little, I don't know, in certain modes of music um, where you have like the breakdown and stuff like that, sometimes they'll embellish that gap. I'm thinking of like uh, Prison Song by System of a Down, Toxicity. That has really long gaps and they work. They're quite dramatic and tense. This, not so much. This, I think they should have just cut a second or two out. And then we get into the um, master, you know, middle movement here. And we don't get the sort of interlocking harmonies that we get at like the end of fade or ryan or indeed in master but i quite like these melodic lines that play out they're they're again quite different for the band i think it's a highlight of the whole ep and had it been on the record it it would have been a highlight for me because i I dig with the dynamics of metallica and i Mm. like when they go soft and it's got a real pink floyd vibe to it uh to me too and Kirk's kind of got this part and then it's sort of a call and response thing. I did have a uh, I did I was preparing for this episode because I'm a professional <laughs> podcaster and I was like what can I what can I add to this combo that's that sounds like like to go all Kevin Van Dam on you. <laughs> and I did think I was like you know maybe that abrupt stop after chorus 2 and that pause is supposed to be sort of thematically simulating shooting dead Yeah, yeah, maybe. And then you have this pause and you have this sort of pretty heavenly shit it could be like the soul leaving the body or whatever you're in heaven with Jesus or whatever you believe about that. But Hmm. maybe, maybe they really were sort of thinking of it that way, like really wanting it to have that kind of dramatic mood with the theme of the song. Yeah. I like that. I like that. The conception, the dramaturgy of that. I can, I can definitely see that as well. Do you think that they, you think that they keep shit like that in mind when they write? Do you think that's in the forefront? No. Or is that like a happy byproduct? Yeah. I would, I would say it's like, you know, when when you when you look too deep into a song or a painting or a movie, that is the art. It's your relationship, the analysis between you and the thing. And I think we're just doing that right now. I don't know whether they would have necessarily considered that. Like, I don't think James is in that sort of Trent Reznor mindset where he's really right. considering the that that conceit. But 
Maybe. I mean, you know, it's not too far gone, really. It's kind of, you know, suicide, blank space. It's kind of an obvious connection to make. Then we get into the solo from Kirk, which I think works best when it sort of relishes in the off notes and, and the squeals. Yeah, well, I, I'm a little confused because I think James does a solo here too, right? Is that right? Yeah, I'm just kind of hard well, to... Yeah. He was doing the solo over like the kind of one of the fast riffs on the 30th anniversary okay. set. I can't really tell on the recording. No. There have been a few solos that he's done where I couldn't tell. We got one wrong on Suicide and Redemption recently and got about 7,000 emails about that. So <laughs> here, here's the deal. If we get this wrong, please forward your emails to Metallic. <laughs> what is it? Metallica Pod? Metallica Pod at Gmail. At Gmail. Yeah, you can send them to Tom this yeah. time. I, I, I have so I've almost have some impunity to just be wrong about shit. <laughs> I just I just don't get that mentality. Like if I hear someone like for instance, I think I said to you before, I want you to get Dean Del Rey um on the mm-hmm. podcast. So Dean Del Rey is this comic, giant music fan, really fucking knows his stuff, and I love hearing him talk about music. And one of his blind spots, clearly, and he's admitted this on the show, is he was just never a Beatles guy, and he's slowly mm. getting into the Beatles. And he got something wrong. What did he get wrong? He was talking about how the band retired from playing live after help even though it was mm-hmm. obviously um, around that sort of Rubber Soul. Uh, I think it was, I think the last record they played live was Rubber Soul, because I've definitely seen them doing Nowhere Man in Japan. Yeah, um, they did They did uh, a few of those tunes, like for, like, what they do? They did it for, like, royalty over in Japan. Yeah. Were they playing a proper show? Some, I can't quite remember exactly what it was. But, but, but anyway, he got that wrong, and I sort of bristled mentally, but I would never yeah. think of sending an email pissed off. It's like, it's a mistake, who cares? I just don't have the time. No. I've heard it too. I heard Mark Mar- Mark Maron interviewed Paul McCartney recently. Oh, that was awful. That was an awful interview. <laughs> I-, I am just so not a fan of Maron. No, I hate Mark Maron, yeah. He- and the he problem was- is he has the best guests, so you have to listen. I know. I know. He. I mean, he had Obama on and yeah. shit. And the Joe Walsh episode recently was great, too. But, yeah, that was um, good, yeah. The, po- the McCartney one, he was just kind of getting John and, like, he was like, that, uh, da, 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 da. He couldn't even name the song Dig a Pony. Mm, yeah. He was like, that was a good riff. And Paul's like, oh, that was John. He's like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> and Paul's like, I'm not bothered by the fact that John wrote that riff. It's a great song. It's just, I felt Paul McCartney was very generous. He was. During that interview. He was, yeah. And didn't didn't Mark talk about them playing together or something? And well, Paul's like, well, he's dead. Like, that, that can't happen. Like, why are you entertaining these fantasies? And it's just all a bit, I don't know, maybe it's because in a live audience or something. But yeah, yeah that makes shows weirder. I did hear finally, I know we're on a tangent a little bit, but I did finally hear the uh, Sam Harris, Bill Maher, where Sam Harris talks about how he had to walk out of North by Northwest. Oh, yeah. What the hell? That is so fucking brutal. Yeah, that hurt. That did hurt. Like, what are you guys talking? Yeah, they're like, oh, it's too slow. People's brains were different. I'm like, is this Sam Harris and Bill? Is this? These are two dudes I respect. They sound Mm. like fucking idiots right now. I guess their brains were different. Like, what? (laughs) wasn't that long ago yeah exactly we're, we're experiencing neurological evolution in the last 60 years <laughs> jesus anyway yeah it's difficult isn't it like i mean i, I actually I, I thought about that recently i watched a film uh, yesterday i watched kirk douglas's champion and if you've mm. seen that boxing film from 1949 yep. good movie quite a slow quite i mean he's the guy i have great. to say i'm going through his have you seen ace in the hole oh lo- well i love billy wilder is one of my oh, favorite directors my of all time so Ace I love Ace in the, in the Hole. And it's amazing. Where he's the reporter. Yeah, he's the uh, $1,000 a day newspaper man. Oh, right. man. It's so, yeah, it's such a fire movie. But, um, but yeah, Kirk people, Douglas. People got to see, people gotta see Pavs of Glory. Have you seen Pavs of Glory? Pavs of Glory the, is crazy Kubrick, good as well. Yeah. Spartacus. Yeah. Mm. 
I'm sure, what else is there that he's been? He was in um, he was in a Disney film that I need to see that, just because his performance. He plays guitar in it. Uh, Twenty Thousand mm. Leagues Under the Sea. I he's like a sort of troubadour sailor, and he was in a lot of uh, westerns as well. He's still alive. He's 101. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's still alive, and he's been married to his wife for like 50 years, and she's like 99 or something. So it's like how how good of a time can you be having at 101? Oh my god! I mean, I, I, yeah, you, you see a picture of me. He looks like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler, but like sort of pruned. <laughs> like it's it's that's a good movie, by the way. As well, I watched that recently. Love it's, it. It's a very structurally rigid film but i really and i'm not a wrestling guy like really me neither it's intense but it's good marissa tomei is great in it do you think he died at the end Mm, i haven't seen it i haven't seen it uh long enough to even know what you're referencing well he's just basically at the end he he does his final move the ram jam he jumps off the Mm -hmm. ropes and he's been told that if he does it one more time he will die Uh. and have a heart attack and he just, you know, he just gives in to the stardom and the fame. And even though Marissa Tomei's at the edge of the stage wanting him not to do it, he jumps off and then it breaks into that really good Springsteen song that he wrote. Yeah, he wrote he wrote a song called The Wrestler, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was written for the movie. And yep. um, Axel, I'm going to choose to believe that he dies. Yeah, I think, sure. I think it's like a Tony Soprano kind of mode because it goes straight to black as well. Um, and I mean, it's kind See, of a horrifying reality. I thought that the Sopranos ending was pure fucking genius. Mm. I absolutely loved it. I was on the I, 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 I was on the edge of my seat. That whole last 10 15 minutes is so intense. Yep. And really nothing happens. No. It's no. pretty pretty brilliant. It really is. And the symbolism of meadow parking three times and... She can't get it parked, yeah. Oh man, and you just got... keep thinking something's going to happen to her. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the journey? Is it a journey song they're playing? Don't, like, don't stop, stop believing. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Mm, mm. Damn, that's so good. Yeah, and you've got to just think about the seconds after the show finishes. His brains are blown out on Carmella. She's screaming as her husband's just dead in front of her. And, and I think the the one of the episodes in season six, you remember the episode where they go away to the cabin um, and they get in the big fight and it's Tony's birthday and Tony's talking to Bobby and Bobby's like, what happens when you die? And Tony's like, well, you go, just goes to black. Mm. So it's yeah. There you I mean, go. I mean, yeah. The Sopranos is is oh man. We've been rewatching it. My girlfriend just got into it actually uh, a few months ago. I showed her Pine Barrens uh, before we mm. got into anything else where they get lost in the woods, Paulie and uh, Chris. And it's like uh, I, I'm still looking for a Sopranos podcast. There's a lot out there, but there's not my one yet. I haven't quite found the right taste for it. But I mean, where people yeah. just go through the show. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them. Yeah, episodic ones. Um, mm. People going through. Yeah, um, Sopranos Club's quite decent one as well. But I mean, okay, just a bullet away, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I, I just not got too much to say. I mean, when the song comes back after that intersection, um, it, it clashes back in the strum and the drang. We have the familiar intro. It's just I don't know. Like I had Tommy Trinkler on recorded the episode uh, just before we went on air actually we did junior dad that came out last week and i asked him about his favorite songs and you know he was saying fade to black and orion and you know all these masterpieces and it's just like i don't want to call this song filler but it just i don't know it, it's not going to break a top 40 for me yeah I, me neither i i think it i think it's worth some uh praise and not only on this song but a lot of their longer songs that kind of take you on a journey you got to think about like the dynamic when it goes to that clean part, the kind of Pink Floydy stuff. Mm. Listen to the I don't know twelve or so bars that it takes for them to ramp back up into doing another verse. Mm. That's some pretty sophisticated stuff, and worth kind of honing in on to to really get. And I know it's not probably their uh, 
the best example of them doing that well, like puppets or something. Sure. Uh, but it's I have a note in this song that like the the transition from the slow stuff back into verse four is pretty cool. There's some pretty riffs. They're pretty interesting riffs that they don't play otherwise. And yeah, I mean, if it comes on, I'm digging it. I'm turning it up. It was really fun to listen to it a few times today. But yeah, you're right. It's not going to crack top forty for me. How could it? How many years do you reckon we have of Metallica left? I don't know. It's it's an, it's kind of an important question these days, isn't it? Uh, I I would hope that there's another cycle of a record. Yeah, I think there's going to be at least one more. You but I like, can't imagine much after that, you know. No. But you look at bands that are a little older than them. U uh, two is a few years older. They're still rocking stadiums. Yeah. They still sound good. I don't know if they're making records anyone gives a shit about. I'm a huge U two fan, and I do not care about what records they're putting out. No, no, there's Songs of Innocence, I think, was the latest one, maybe, something like that. Songs of Experience, maybe, after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, See, but, I don't even know. No, they did that, like, 360 tour, didn't they? It was, like, one of the biggest grossing tours ever. But, I mean, if you think, they're contemporaries. Okay, Megadeth is still going, but obviously at a much smaller scale. Slayer are pairing down now. Mm-hmm. Amphrax, I, like, I'm not being funny, I don't give a fuck about Amphrax. Like, I just I'm, can't get into them. Yeah, they're kind of a silly band to me. Like, I don't know, they're just quite bland. I, I, even their greatest songs, I'm just like, these riffs are okay. I, I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, I love Metallica. I, I love the biggest bands in the world. I yeah. mean, I can I can do a little indie coffee shop corner with the best of them. I oh, really yeah. can. I know my record collection is full of obscure, stupid shit that no one's heard of. I really want to really... look through your collection. I bet there'll be some eclectic shit in there. You can't, if you go to, I can even send you a link. I have a Discogs page where you can actually look through oh, my sweet. entire collection. Okay, cool. But my favorite bands are the biggest bands in the world, dude. My mm. favorite bands are the Beatles mm. and Metallica and U2 and Radiohead and the Stones. You know what I mean? It's not. Oh, yeah. So when it comes to like uh, cred in the metal world, I'm okay not having very much. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I like Sabbath. I like Maiden. I like Pan. I like all the bands everyone likes, but yeah. I'm not killing myself over some obscure $45 import of a band whose name I can't. I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, I, ch- I dip in on Cattle Decapitation because it's so fascinating to me. I'm such a horror fan. Right. But even that shit, I'm like, this is just too much for me. Mm. It really is. Mm. Forced gender mutilation. You ever heard of that? I haven't, no. <laughs> There's a music video by Cattle Decapitation. The song's called Forced Gender Reassignment. Wow. And it's the God Hates Fags people get captured by this band, I guess, and they do a bunch of horrible things to them. Shit, that sounds like a, like bad, a bad Kevin Smith film. <laughs> the, like uh, the mall cop guy? Uh, mall rats, yeah. yeah he, he did Tusk. Oh, Kevin Smith. Yeah, Kevin Smith. he did Tusk. I don't know if you heard of that. That's kind of a similar... Loved book. it. I haven't oh, actually dude. seen it. I know about it, but... Loved it. They turn a dude into a walrus. Yeah. <laughs> It's, that was pretty good. He made another pretty serious horror movie called Red State. Red State, yeah, Michael Parks. Michael Parks. Well, Michael Parks is in Tusk, too. He's great mm. in both of those. Yeah, Melissa Leo's in Red State as well. She's a great actress. She's in a lot of it, stuff. Just being from Alabama and living in Tennessee, Red State is kind of about these religious fundamentalists, and it's pretty scary. That stuff scares me. So, right yeah. 
yeah, I, pre- I, pre- I think I think I'm just I'm such a cliched person, really. When I was like 14, 15, I thought Kevin Smith was like the greatest filmmaker in the world and shit. And right. Like Clerks was like my life, and yeah, I, mean, Cl- I did all that. Clerks is still pretty good, actually. Most of his stuff, I think. Like I used to think, I remember as a kid thinking Chasing Amy was really enlightened, and my friend's dad, uh, Martin, he was named, that we all looked up to. He like got me into like The Wire and like loads of movies and stuff. And he went on this rant hating Chasing Amy, saying it was really basic and misinformed. And I rewatched it recently. And I was like, oh, he's kind of right. I don't know. It's so... the, the only two that that really stick with me are Clerks and Mallrats. Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a thing for Mallrats. I love yeah. Jason Lee in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Even Ben Affleck's great in there. Yeah, it's it's okay actually. Yeah, I've, yeah. Dogma's a bit flashy, even though it's got your your girl Alanis in it. I didn't really. She plays God. It's great. She does play God. She does. Play I love God. the blasphemy in it, but yeah, as a movie, nah. I'll yeah. probably never watch it again. No, can't imagine it. <laughs> no. Well, um, you know, this has been just a bullet away. I know we haven't spoke too much about the song, but I know there's a lot of uh, Metal at Your Podcast, Alf Metallica fans, this is very egotistical to say, got a little bit of a kick of this little crossover. And, um, you know, it's always good to chat. And I, I normally say, is there anything to promo? But I guess it's pretty obvious where people need to go, right? They need to go to MetallicaPod at gmail.com. <laughs> Send the hate and, there. And levy all their formal complaints. And Tom will relay them to me indirectly so what no the, yeah i mean that, the, people know where the show is they can go find it thing like it and we're building towards because what's been great because obviously i've been a fan of the show for ages now it's been great to see the progression really that it's gone beyond just you discussing some kind of monster an album or now you're doing the, the the live listens now you're doing the video now you're having guests on you've got ray burton coming up like any other big changes in the horizon I don't know. We're doing the videos now, and it, you know that just adds another layer of work. If if the videos don't really move the needle or make sense, we, we probably won't keep doing them. Sure. But but yeah, getting Ray on, which you had Ray on in your first few months. I mean, yeah, you've been ahead of us on that for a long time. But we we already have talked to Ray, and we're saving that for our hundredth episode, which will be out in a few weeks from when this comes out. I guess a few months. How how was the chat? It was great, man. I mean, it you know you've done it. It's mm-hmm. you know there's a moment where you're sitting there, and it's just such an honor and it's so fucking surreal that yeah. you're talking to cliff burton's dad yeah. and that he's such a cool dude he's so with it and he's he still cares so much about what cliff did and you know cliff what cliff did means so much to me it's just such a trip and and uh his daughter uh sent us these two like pictures that cliff personalized and wrote for us and wow. you know my wife's my wife's pretty cool and pretty supportive of the show and everything she's not a big metallica fan mm. and i'm just trying to explain to her i'm like to get that shit in the mail yeah. From Cliff Burton's dad was just so weird and mm. cool. You know? It's just I don't know, it's an honor. It's cool that the show can bring you and I into a place where, you know, you get to talk to Fleming Rasmussen, you get to talk to Ray. Yeah. We're gonna get to talk we're, we're gonna have Jim Brewer on shortly. That's, That's gonna so be fun. Cool. That's so, I, I mean, think he's actually gonna come to our party. Oh wow. Holy shit. That's fucking yeah. great. I mean, it, it I'm not just saying this because you're a friend and i respect the show but it's got to be a matter of time before you get one of the boys on it's got to be i don't know i mean i think that would be really great i really hope it happens there's a we have a friend of ours who's a patron who's actually doing the meet and greet in charlotte in a few weeks and he's wearing all of our shit to the meet and greet (laughs) so that he can talk to them about it that's crazy so part of me is a little part of me is like oh no what if they don't care what <laughs> yeah. if they've already heard it they don't like it because you know we've got over 100 episodes out and you like you too you know i've talked about this yeah. some of our episodes are better than others sometimes yeah. you're you're in a good spot sometimes you're tired or whatever 
I hope they didn't just check in on one that they hated. Oh no! I think I, I mean the fear would be they talk to Lars. He's like, I'm more of a I'm more of a Metallicast guy, you know. Well, that would be an incredible honor for those dudes, <laughs> for that dude. <laughs> I would be bummed to hear it, but I yeah. would also have to accept it because you know how it is. We're not doing this show for that. So if that happens and they appreciate the work we're doing, that's fucking awesome. Like that would be such an honor. But if if nothing like that ever happens, the show's going to roll on. You know. What I like about your deal is you have a really defined ending point. Mm. So you have you have a goal, you have a project that you're going to get to the finish line with. For yeah. us, it's like kind of open-ended, so it's hard to know what we're trying to achieve, really. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So I respect and admire that about your show as well. I think it's good for all of us. I think I think everyone's got their own flavor. And, you know, I'm, right now I'm going through a big Dave Matthews thing. And it's like if there were 25 Dave Matthews podcasts, I'd be listening to all of them. Yeah, yeah. And I know we have so many listeners who listen to all of us because it's their favorite band, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. I mean, yeah, Tommy, again, I was being to saying he, he, he just catches up with all of us guys. Like, beyond that, it's right. hard to listen to any other podcast. And, yeah, it, it, you're right. It is nice to have a defined ending. It's nice to know, effectively, the date of the final episode and when that will actually be, which will be in 2020. And I'll probably will end it there. Like, I'll probably mm. just be done. Because, to be honest with you, there's other podcasts that I want to start. Like, right. and I don't really have time to come because I already do a big battle rap one that takes loads of my time and a little Watchman one. And it's like, it's, you know, it can't really do four on a go. Like, that is a bit ludicrous. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the show. And it's good. I mean, episode 100 is just around the corner. I mean, technically, you've had 100 episodes of all the fans and stuff. Yeah, we're doing this thing called Metal Tales from the Road, where it was just going to be the current North American arena tour. And then they announced Europe, and we wanted to do that. And then now we're basically, we've opened it up to, if you're a patron of the show, you can come on and do a Metal Tales from any show you've been to. Like, I was thinking, actually thinking today, we should do one with you about the show you went to in Birmingham, because that was your first time to see him, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be good, actually. Yeah, definitely. So a whole Metal Tales, so that would be, I mean, I want to hear that story. I know you have a whole episode on it, but... Yeah, yeah, we can... Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I was happy to retell it. Definitely. Yeah, that was uh, that was a mad experience. That was almost a year ago. Bloody hell! It's 16th October now. It was 30th October last year. That has gone. I remember listening to you guys as well because I was there on my own and I got to the rail. And I wasn't really with anyone. I had my headphones on. And what episode was I listening to of yours? It was like I think you're doing Garage Inc or something like that. And I wow. think you guys message you sort of mention me in the email or something like that. I can't really remember exactly, but you know, we'll we'll go back and look at that. And look. I know you guys are busy as well, but we always fire back ideas of me coming on Metal Your Podcast. And I, I think a good one for us to do would be the Guns and Metallica tour and just go yeah. through the history of that. And at this, at this point, we have like eight ideas. We do. We do. I think we want to do the original Metal Mania tape they were on, which would just be fun to go for all the bands. And um, media appearances was another one we said. So like when the guys have been on like Fallon or whatever, you know. Yeah, they did like a whole week on Craig Ferguson, which I hate that guy too. That's going to be a rough one. <laughs> I don't mind him. I would strangle Jimmy Fallon with my bare hands though and watch him die. Yeah, I'm not into it. He's a disgrace in my opinion. Total fucking disgrace. The only guy I fuck with on Late Night is Conan. Oh, well, see, I'm an OG Conan dude. Yeah. Like, I, I, was in, I was watching Conan religiously before it was the year 2000. Oh, yeah. Late... And when, they, and when they were doing the in the year 2000 bits. Shout out Max Weinberg, that's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, Max Weinberg is a fucking beast. We're actually, his son, Jay, who drums for Slipknot, is going to be on the show, too. Oh, shit, he was on Dean Delray, he was a really cool dude. 
Good. Was it good? Yeah, it's a good episode. That's cool. I don't know him. Ethan knows him. Ethan knows everybody. Shit. That's oh, that's cool, man. That's really cool. But but yeah, yeah. Anyway, Conan's fire. I don't think. I get the feeling Lars would have went on Conan to like promote Reload or something. I don't know. Maybe did. Maybe did. Maybe they did. I don't know. I don't remember no. much about that. No, I, they're putting all the old Conans online though in the new year. I don't know if you saw that. All the old late nights are going on officially. See, that's great because mm. the, the old Conan was really far out. Like yeah. they were really, really far out because it was so late at night. It was, and it was like kind of like Letterman's far out shit, but even more so. Mm. And the the problem is when he got the Tonight Show, he just wasn't. He was oh, too far yeah. out for it. Yeah, yeah, that was. There's a great documentary about all that. Did you ever see that? Oh yeah, Conan can't stop. Or whatever it is, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. uh, watched that a while ago. I need to rewatch that. He's um, yeah, he's he's a G. Have you seen his? He did a um, a chat with Mark Lewisham, the Beatles historian. It's on YouTube. Mm. That's a really good out. Like he's he's into his shit, Conan. Like you know, he's a fucking intelligent dude. But anyway, this has been a huge rambling episode. I'm sorry if anyone expected some deep beyond magnetic criticism, but um, you know, I'm I'm excited. It's great to have you on the show, Clint. And um, I'm sure we'll do another song before we get to the end of this run. Um, definitely in the future, maybe get you and Ethan back on. Definitely check out. Uh, what to do with Ethan? You blackened with Ethan. Um, with yourself, we did better than. Was it better than you that we did? Better than you, Better and then we both you. did Enter Sandman. Both did Enter Sandman as well, yeah. So, um, yeah, this has been Tom, Alf Metallica, MetallicaProducGmail.com. You know, support Metal at your podcast. We both have Patreons. We both have iTunes. Leave us reviews. Send us emails, all that stuff. Clint, thank you again, man. Thank you, and I'll end by saying that you guys need to go support Tom on the Patreon so that we can get his ass over here for the Nashville party. Oh, that would be amazing. I, I, I Definitely before, maybe not for the next one, but the one after. Well, thanks, dude.